When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into the latest Tech Sideline podcast. I'm your host, Will Stewart, the founder and general manager of Tech Sideline. Our regular host, Evan Hughes, is still out on Christmas break, and he cannot get back soon enough. This hosting gig is hard. I have to actually prepare. Yeah. Like, so last night I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about today's show, and I had to get up early and prepare. So this kind of stinks. It's not like you just get up from the chair and walk over and talk like when Evan's here. I actually have to prepare for this stuff. So Evan, hurry up and get back. Yeah. Um, this is episode 107 of the TSL podcast, and we're recording on the morning of Thursday, January 9th, 2020. Whether you're watching live on Facebook or listening or watching archived on SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube, or anywhere else you access the TSL podcast, we're glad to have you with us. As usual, I've got with me today on set TSL managing editor Chris Coleman, and behind the scenes, we've got producer Malcolm Stewart. And today, we have a special guest on set, TSL podcast sponsor, Jonathan Fisher of the Fisher Law Firm. And Jonathan actually sponsors the whole site. He's been a sponsor for many years, going way back to 2014 when I had slightly fewer gray hairs. So we appreciate Jonathan. And uh, we'll. Uh, I, I know what some of you are thinking. If you've seen the movie Wayne's World, when, when Wayne... <laughs> When uh, Noah Vanderhoff was oh, yeah. was on the Wayne's World That's show, yeah. first of all, I will not be making Jonathan say funny things, and he will not be rapping about the Fisher <laughs> Law Firm, and there will be nothing crude written on the back of my <laughs> show notes, so it's not going to go like that. Um, so we're going to talk hockey football with Jonathan, and of course, we're also going to talk about his business, because he's a TSL sponsor, and we're going to go back and forth between the two. Uh, Jonathan's a 1998 Virginia Tech grad, so we'll get into some of the stuff that... Uh, some of the hokey football when he was a student here and, and afterwards after he went to law school. Um, so most of our discussion is going to center around mid-90s Hokies football. And for those of you who are fans back then, it'll be a fun walk down memory lane. I don't know how much Chris Coleman remembers. Oh, actually, I remember some things back then better than I do some things from you were, like, yeah. this past season. Very so, impressionable age. So Jonathan started school in 94, right? Because you were a 98 yes. graduate. How old were you in the 1994 football season, Chris? Uh, would have been eleven. <laughs> yeah. uh, Good stuff. Um, yeah. And so, were you a hokey at that time? Were you yes. like hokey family and stuff. Yeah, okay. I came to my first first game that I remember coming to was the Maryland game in '93. Man, that's had, yeah. We've talked about it before. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I what I, and what I remember about that game was Maryland's quarterback was Scott Milanovic, and he was also their punter. And yeah. That's so you were you. expecting you know a shootout. It's funny. Like I can't even remember who plays quarterback for duke this season right but right. i remember scott but you remember scott and he threw, <laughs> and I, he threw for a lot of yards yeah they had a big time offense. let's not get on that path though yeah. so jonathan where'd you grow up i grew up in fairlawn in fairlawn about and, 25 minutes from here and did you go to pulaski county high school i did i went to pulaski county back so, in the glory days of pulaski that's true i was there during 93 uh 
still the best the best football team that's ever been in this part of the state period uh, we didn't win the yeah. state but we were good so you know i uh, i was talking to a cut co- my cousin the other day let's see he would have been before your time he said that the current pulaski county high school has half as many students as, in it as it did when he graduated in probably 85 or so you remember how many students were there when you were there uh there were it was just less than 400 in my graduating class yeah. so it would have been you know, 13, 1400 or something like that, I suppose. So about, about the size it is now, right? Yeah, it's smaller now, a little smaller. We were still, we, when we won the state in 92, we were division six. We were top. We were yeah. The, top level. Top. Yeah. The, yeah and now that, we're basically, you know, with Blacksburg in that size range. So, so you were at Pilla. you were, was Shane Graham there when you were there? Right, right. Shane yeah. was a couple years behind me. He, he was on the team that, uh, that won the state. He was a freshman he that a, year. They brought him in late that season, promoted him from like JV to varsity, right? Pretty and much, yeah. yeah, out of need, I think. And, and, and he he uh he kicked the game winning field goal in the playoffs, right? Up at up at Robinson. That yeah. that's the the one football game that I've ever been to where I was so cold that I did not care if we won. I just yeah. wanted to get <laughs> back to get the car. Out of here. But up at Robinson High School. It's it's hilarious if if you see like highlights of Shane kicking the game winning field goal and the team celebrating with him, he looks like a little kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he was a little kid. It's so funny because the uh, my uncle uh, did the 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 videos for the the teams back then. Um, he was a video teacher there at the high school and, and he did that as well. And um, the year Shane was a freshman, I mean, he was just like a little redheaded nerd, and yeah. it showed the, like the bus. It's like, you know, all the cool guys are in the back and all this. And the coaches are in the front, except Shane Graham was in the front seat by himself. <laughs> oh, little gosh. redheaded kid, you know. So he was but, pretty uh, popular. After, so that game-winning kick, I think that was not in the championship. Right? Oh, no, that was the state semifinals against Robinson. Yeah, yeah on, on a frigid, cold day, and, and Shane comes through. I saw him. I moved back down here in 94, so I saw him play. That's why I'm playing the 94 season, which was his senior season. And and I remember watching him miss hit a 50-yard field goal and still make it. He kicked it fat. And, you oh, know, yeah. yeah. No, he, he was he great, a, especially kicking off a, off the tee, off the box or whatever they do in high school then. You know, you, yeah, they had a little, they had little the tiny little tee back then that but, they, were, uh, they were allowed to use. I remember the hype around him. I'm, 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 I'm old enough to remember going in that 96 season was it, when he was a true freshman. There was a 90, lot of hype. 90, yeah, okay okay so, yeah. and so i he, just remember thinking well gosh anybody has to be better than adel larson yeah, he would <laughs> he would i didn't say that he, he, he would have been um two i think he probably graduated in 95 he was a freshman in 92 on that state two, championship three, four, five. so when i moved in here in 94 that was his junior season probably, right i had probably. that wrong okay of course the game after that the, the the game after the cold robinson game was the state championship game that really uh propelled us into the national ranking and all that the next year we went down to richmond and beat uh shut out uh, or not we didn't shut out but we beat handily ken oxendine's yeah nationally ranked uh thomas dale thomas team, dale right um in, in a great game i mean he uh the ox had a long run in that game um, but. um so the only player i remember other than shane graham from that era was a guy named randy dunnigan does that name ring a bell sure randy was my classmate and uh um, you know, he's still very active in the Pulaski County football program. Pop quiz, where did Randy Duncan play college football? No clue. West Virginia. West WVU. Virginia. Just like Joel Hicks. Joel Hicks was uh, – our coach was a running back at yeah, West Virginia back in the that. day. I don't, I, don't, I don't think Tech even recruited Dunnigan. Um, That's probably right. But he for whatever reason, I, I don't know the story there. And, and um, So – uh, this is kind of some, – some of people listening and watching will know this. Some won't. What, what about um, Michael Porter? 
What was he was before your time? He was right? before me. I, I kind of. But he was probably that. a legend at, at Pulaski he, County he, High School, right? Well, yes, yes, a legend in that. Uh, I think he was the only McDonald's All American basketball player we ever had. Um, yeah. But then also kind of that because it didn't pan out, you know, everybody kind of I think he went to St. John's or wherever he went. And he signed with Tech, then went to Juco for a J- couple of years. San Jacinto or San yes. Jack, San Jacinto yeah, Junior a, College. Yeah. And, and then, then St. John's. Yeah. And he, he wound up with Boo Somebody at, uh, at St. John's. Yeah. So, But I remember I wasn't really following. I mean, I was probably late elementary or early, or early middle school then. Yeah, and I, I probably saw a game or something, but I don't. Uh, oh, I don't he, he was supposedly just an amazing high school basketball player. That's what I player. hear. All right, um, so let's see here. Uh, so, uh, so you grew up in Fairlawn, went to Pulaski County High School, went to Virginia Tech in fall of '94. Correct. And what did you study? I, uh, I I'm a casualty of the engineering program, so I <laughs> I think what it was is that I really wanted to come to Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. And so I, I justified that choice by going into the engineering program. Um, you know, I probably would have gone to William so Mary spur of the moment something. thing. Yeah, no, no. I mean, <laughs> you know, I really wanted to, to 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 justify that decision, but I didn't really want to be an engineer. I yeah. just wanted an excuse to come to Virginia Tech. And then uh, once I got here, I realized that I'd had enough math. And you know, I, I would hear people talking about their differential equations. Uh, Different uh, Yeah, where, where you know the, the the class average was like eight on a test or something, and I'm like, <laughs> no, that's that. No, no, thanks. I've had enough math. Um, so, so I did engineering. I got, I got my degree in electrical engineering, and I and I don't brag a lot about many things, but I like to brag about the fact that when I was a freshman. I had 8 a.m. five-hour calculus, and I got an A. I that's, nailed it. That's pretty good, man. Well, I went to Albemarle High School in Charlottesville, and it turns out the math prep coming out of there was outstanding. Um, and my, I took calculus my junior year in high school, and my senior year in high school I actually went over to UVA for math. So nice. I, I came out of there with a really good math background, so I, I did not get scared off when I went into engineering. Um, well, I was good at math. I just didn't like it anymore. <laughs> so I ended up in history. And uh, and then just like Chris Coleman, he's got a degree in history. Yep. Yep. And then uh, and like most history majors, they end up doing something that has nothing to do with. History. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so you got out. Uh, you graduated in '98. Um, do you, you? I mean, you're okay with telling people who you are on the message sure. boards, right? Absolutely. He's VPI '98 on the message boards. He kind of gives it away because his his avatar is the right. Fisher Law Firm logo. Um, so you got out in '98, and then what? Well, um, I decided, I made a decision that I was going to choose between either pursuing a graduate degree in history, which, um, you know, I considered or, or going to law school. But what really, I really wanted to come home, uh, ultimately and, and, and live here in the Valley. Stay and, around this area. And Virginia Tech Athletics was a big part of that. You know, I enjoy that. I enjoy being around Tech and, and, uh, both just being here and the athletic part of it and going to events. Um, and I knew that, one uh, going into a graduate a PhD program in history is a whole lot of work, and uh, also uh, it's very very competitive, um, and uh, you know you got to be willing to you know take a job in Wyoming Community College or whatever yeah. in order to to get employed. And I knew that it was very likely I'd never find my way back if I wanted to go into that. And um, not that Wyoming's a bad place. Not no not that <laughs> it's not, but it's it's hard to go to run down and see you know the Tech basketball game or whatever. If you're in Spokane or, or is that it's Washington, wherever, yeah, it's Washington, whatever, whatever's in Cheyenne Wyoming. is what I was thinking. About. <laughs> Missoula. So, so, um, 
So I decided no, to go Montana. to law school because it, I knew it would give me the opportunity to do what I wanted to, which is come back here. I never really wanted to go to a big law firm or anything. And I, the, the plan was to open my own practice, and I was actually the only person in my law school class who did that immediately out of law school. See, I call that being portable, getting that degree where you can pretty much go anywhere. And you're you're talking about uh, making career decisions on wanting to be in this area and wanting to continue to be around Virginia Tech. Sure. And, you know, I just I just don't know that uh, many students these days make that kind of decision. For me, when I was in engineering, I decided not to co-op because co-oping meant back then that you had to take every other semester off. And I didn't co-op, which is great for your career, but I didn't want to co-op because I didn't want to miss any tech football or basketball games. Hey, man, I, I admit, you know, similar things. So. so we're making career decisions based on missing hokey football I'm and basketball. I'm not sure if that's too smart, but anyway, it worked well, out all right. It so. worked out okay. I wound up actually working in the field. Um, I'm jealous, by the way. I wish I had your job. Uh, well, maybe not. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. It, <laughs> it's like any other job. There's some, like hosting the podcast kind of sucks. You know, it's kind of <laughs> hard, but there are other parts of our job that are that are pretty cool. So, a couple things. Let's uh, let's dig back into hokey football. And I took sure. a bunch of notes uh, for this, and I want to ask you about. Uh, all right, here here is a question for people on Facebook and for you two guys, see if you can get it right away. What event happened early in the 1994 season that would become a staple of Hokie football for many years and which Frank Beamer would later credit for helping build the program? What happened early in the 94 season that would be part of tech football for many years and Frank would credit with helping grow the program? 94? So think about that. One. Oh, like, I know that. Yeah. So let's I, see see if anybody on Facebook can answer. Do you think you know what it is? I think so. Yeah. I right, know. We'll, yeah, yeah. we'll give the people on Facebook some time. Yeah. So uh, one game I want to talk about, unfortunately, it's an unpleasant memory um, because I have a story to tell, okay. and it's all about me here. Um, Nineteen ninety four UVA game. Is that the uh, the tangerines running around? That the field is game? the tangerines yeah, with no, with maroon helmets running around on the field. Oh yeah. Did you go to that one, Chris? No. That was, that was miserable. That was when the Gary Tranquil experiment bore tremendous fruit finally. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. How many turnovers did Maurice have in that game? Five or six. I believe he had five. I think it was four interceptions and a fumble. And, a fumble. and um, so the story I want to tell about that game is, you know, Tech, as Jonathan pointed out, Tech wore all – they wore orange jerseys and orange pants. There was a lot of orange in Tech football this year, that year. The weird thing is, I don't think Oregon had gotten wound up yet with all their different uniforms. Yeah. And Virginia Tech that year, you go back and and Clark Ruland's probably got this stuff archived somewhere in in a, or some yeah, uniform history. So, you go back in that era, and there's a lot of orange pants, mm-hmm. a lot of orange jerseys, a lot of white pants, white jerseys, maroon pants. I think the helmets were maroon, and that was the only thing that was, that was consistent. There was a game thing. up at BC or something. We did what uh, maroon? Uh, we did, we did a lot that year. We had white jerseys and, and orange pants a few times. I think at that least was, once we had maroon tops and orange pants. Orange pants. Ugh, yeah. I mean, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's so far back that even Maryland had normal uniforms. We were like the only team that was doing crazy stuff. It seemed like. Right around then. And, and I think the UVA game where they were all orange was the only time that year they went all orange, and they got stomped. I don't, yeah, I don't no, even remember was the score. It was like 35 to 20 or something like that. Yeah, it, was, it was not good. It wasn't even that close. So yeah. Frank said after – so here's the story I want to tell. Frank said after that year that uh, um, that they burned those uniforms. Oh, they were t- We didn't wear orange jerseys again until 
gosh, I want to say it was that 2009 Thursday night game against UNC when it was that ugly shade of orange, and we lost that game too. We lost that game, then we lost a couple years ago to Duke, what, the 10 to – Seven game or thirteen to seven game. We wore all 14, orange. I don't the, 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 the game that uh, Fuller had three picks, but we still lost. Because uh, Logan had four interceptions. Generally, the orange jerseys don't go well. Although the UNC game in twenty seventeen went extremely well. So Frank said they burn those uh, uniforms, uh-huh. and and that's the only fib I've ever caught Frank telling. Because I was in the equipment room prior to the ninety seven season uh, with Lester Carlin. I won't say what I was doing there or how I got there, but back in the back of that equipment room, those uniforms were all still hanging there. Now, they never wore them again. No. And and the weird thing is those would have been Russell Athletic uniforms, and we went with starters starting in something like 1996. So I don't know why those uniforms are even still back there, but but they were there. I remember seeing some jerseys and pants. Maybe they want to contain <clears throat> the bad energy in there, not let it out into the universe. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, One day we'll have Lester Carlin on the show. And <laughs> that would be that entertaining, question. I'm sure. Um, so back to the trivia question. What happened early? Malcolm, has anybody answered it on, on Facebook Live? What happened early in the 94 season? Yeah, there's a couple guesses. We've got beating West Virginia, the lunch pail debut, enter Sandman for the first time. No, those are some good guesses. What do you guys think it was? Which... Ninety-four is what the Independence Bowl year. Gator that Bowl. is the Gator Bowl year where they got beat by Tennessee. Okay, the Gator Bowl year. So, so early in the season in ninety-four. Yeah, relatively. that would have been the first win over Miami. Mm-mm. No, well, that no. was ninety-five. That was ninety-five. Ninety-four. Then. What do you think it is? Uh, Thursday night win over West Virginia. Ding, 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 ding. Virginia Tech's first appearance on Thursday night ESPN okay. football, and they blew out West Virginia. It was like 34, 34 to six. Thirty-four to six, and that was really like the only like complete game that Tech played against good competition. That yeah, yeah, they didn't play well later in the season. Yeah, um, and see these conversations always come back around. Ken Oxendine had a long touchdown run in that game. Oh, okay, yeah, I was there at that one. He was I true freshman that, that year. Game. He was true freshman. And he wasn't the feature back, but he got in late in the game and he busted like a forty or fifty yard touchdown. Yeah. Okay, run. I remember that because I remember my math class being canceled. <laughs> so we could go watch the football games. So. Um, so what I remember about that is, you know, that was pre-internet days. And I remember going to a convenience store um, in out in Christiansburg. And USA Today was on the rack. And it had Virginia Tech on the front cover. Now it wasn't in the in the middle of the mag uh, of the newspaper. It was it was a it was a what's inside piece on the top, and they had a picture of Maurice DeShazo. And Virginia Tech was ranked 12th in the country at that point in time. You know, they were coming off a good 93 season. Well, yeah, there was plenty of hype because DeShazo had finished third in the country in pass efficiency the year before. Yeah. Behind, uh, oh, who was the, Charlie Ward? Behind Could be, yeah. Behind Charlie Ward and one other guy. I want to say maybe the BYU quarterback. Or Probably. Yeah. It was a name you'd recognize. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of hype around DeShazo. Like, if, if, the, if it was modern – social media era there'd be DeShazo for for Heisman talk yeah after the numbers he put up in well, he, well he had 22 touchdowns and seven interceptions right. in 1993 and that translate these days to 40 touchdowns probably yeah the way offenses yeah. have changed I yeah think. they had a little run and shoot thing going and, yeah. and of course he had what we didn't know at the time was he had Antonio Freeman who turned out to be Very a lot of the reason for <laughs> yeah. Marisa's success so Malcolm what, what were those guesses again inner Sandman which is incorrect that was like 99 or 2000 that was, that was 2000 2000 yeah. yeah it was inner Sandman uh the lunch pail debut and Dale Kaiser got it with beating West Virginia yeah. Well, yeah, but that? specifically on Thursday night. Oh, yeah, okay. so he right. was he was in the neighborhood. Um, the lunch pail debut, Chris. You know this. That was ninety five, right? And was it Rod Sharpless's? It was. 
was his mom or something. Mom or mother-in-law. Or mother-in-law. Yeah, I think it might have been his mother-in-law. Gave him a lunch pail. And, and it so was who's, him that Jonathan, introduced. who's Rod Sharpless? Rod Sharpless was... Um, was he defensive coordinator before? He was co-defensive coordinator with Bud in 1995. Yeah. Okay. So Sharpless's mother or mother-in-law mother gave yeah. him the lunch, lunch pail. pail, and he introduced it to the team. So a lot of people think it was Bud Foster that thought of the lunch pail. No, it was Rod Sharpless, who was only at Virginia Tech for one year before committing career suicide by going to Rutgers. <laughs> I love that uh, phrase, career suicide. Yeah. <laughs> when was Elmation? I always thought he was the one who brought in this attacking style. Oh, uh, he brought he in the defense. He uh, was 93. Sharpless who brought in the lunch okay. pail itself. So Elmation was 93 and 94? That's correct. What yeah. happened to him? After, where did he go? Everywhere. He just, he just kept doing his thing. He's like, he uh, never stayed anywhere longer than two years. Who's the guy who was the quarterback coach for McNabb and all that and was here for a year? And uh, oh, actually, Rogers was here for he was here for a while. Two, three, four. Rogers was here for four seasons. That was probably about as long as he stayed anywhere because he moved around a fair amount too. Didn't he? So we actually wrote about this the other day. Rogers was at uh, um, Syracuse for the McNabb years. So at 90, least four well, he, years. He was there ninety-one through ninety-seven as quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, so, and who was the guy before McNabb? Now, now I remember Pearson? looking him up. Rogers was actually all the way through '98. McNabb's last year, '95, '96, '97. But he was there for a while. And then he was offensive coordinator at Notre Dame yeah. under Bob Davey, I think. Yeah. And Davey got fired, and that's when he became available. I think. I think that's how it worked. Is it and fair to say that if he stayed at Syracuse, we would he would have gotten Vic? Do you uh, think the reason we got Vic is because he went to Notre Dame? I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't think so. See, the the party line is that Vic would have gone to Syracuse. Jim Cavanaugh, who recruited Michael Vic, told us everybody says that. They might. Michael himself might even think that. But I know that family really well. There was no way he was going that far away from his. And mom. that's Cavanaugh talking. So, so Cavanaugh thinks if if Vic hadn't picked Tech, he would have picked East Carolina. Yeah, which, Cap, which Kavanaugh was with, worried and about that, East that shows you how recruiting has changed over year over the years. Michael Vick was a number three player in yeah. the state of Virginia, and Virginia Tech got him over Syracuse and East Carolina. These days, they'd have to beat out Clemson, Penn State, Auburn, yeah. every major program on the East Coast for Vick. And wasn't it the deal? Did Reeman basically said, "Look, if you're recruiting Curry, you're not recruiting exactly." Michael. So exactly. that narrowed the field quite a bit. Did, did we know field. early on that we were not going to get Curry? I mean, did we just basically yeah. we didn't uh, even try? Did Cur- Curry was. Curry was number one player in football and basketball, number one recruit in the entire country. Originally yeah. committed to UVA. Right. Uh, I don't think Nike wanted him to go to UVA. I think they wanted him to go to UNC and then put on put on that basketball jersey, man, for for branding. So do you uh, do you remember that that he committed to UVA? I do. Yeah, I remember that. That was on a Thursday night where he and Darnell Hollier and somebody else. Uh, I think these guys were all from Hampton High School. UVA was playing Auburn on a Thursday night, back when Thursday night football was a huge thing on ESPN. And those dudes all committed on, you know, correct me, Facebook Live, if I'm wrong, but they all committed to UVA that night. And that was also the night that UVA announced that Carl Smith had donated $25 million towards a big stadium expansion they were going to do. I remember being scared to death of all that all that action. I, 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 that I remember, actually, I guess I was in school the first year UVA expanded their stadium. And uh, I guess that was maybe like 2002 when they expanded it. I think it was earlier than, earlier than that. Like it, 2000? It earlier, maybe maybe it was 2000. when we went down there with Vic and beat him. They had expanded. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So I think I was coming back 
I remember where I was. I mean, I remember being on 220. I guess I was riding with my dad back home from a Tech football game where we were listening to the UVA game on the radio, and it might have been the first, the grand opening of their new, new wow. expanded stadium. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, that's scary. They're investing that much money into facilities and everything like that. And, yeah. and I, I know we beat them last year, and I know we beat them. We're probably going to beat them again this year and everything like that. But it's a scary thought that they're investing that much into their facilities, and now they have a bigger stadium than us. And that, that was important back then, how big stadiums were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, stadium, but, but, stadium expansion was a relatively new thing, and their plans was. were really they, nice. They were impressive, exactly. And, and it was right around then that Tech announced plans to expand the south end zone at lane yeah it might have been a little before that and I don't here's a piece of trivia that i'm sure you don't know <laughs> i got really bored one day i don't know i, don't, I um, know a lot of stuff lane stadium has the 104th largest capacity in the world um, in the world in the world so if you look at the top of that list the the number one stadium in the world is in uh is kim jong-il's grand palace in south korea or, or uh, north korea or whatever and then uh, after that it's uh it's mostly, you know, it's a lot of SEC stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's mostly American college football makes up most of the top 15. Yeah, for sure. Big 10 well, and like, SEC. Tech I mean, is like right in the middle as far as capacity for Power 5 conference teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we have the third biggest stadium in the ACC. But but there are so many massive stadiums in the, in the Big 10 and the SEC. Yeah, Ooh. but I'm just saying even on a global scale, yeah. most of the big stadiums in the world are American Are in the SEC. Yeah. yeah, SEC and Big 10. Yeah. What, what about like English, English Premier League uh, football? The, you know, when Tottenham played in Wembley, Wembley would seat 90,000. So okay. when they were played somebody like Manchester United or Liverpool or somebody like that, they would set the Premier League attendance record. But the biggest Premier League stadium is Old Trafford, Manchester United, which seats about 75,000. Huh. Uh, Tottenham's new stadium seats 62,000. But some of those grounds only seat as little. I think Bournemouth, they've rapidly risen through the ranks from like a fourth division team to Premier League, and their stadium only seats about 15,000. Huh. I mean, 90, yeah. that that put it around 25th probably on that yeah. worldwide. Where, so where do you see this list? Was this I, on I Wikipedia just, I just or something? I just did it on uh, – I just Wikipedia. Yeah. It just beat, them in beat order. for entertainment. And- yep. Then looked it up. But anyway, um, all right. So let's so let's segue back into talking about uh, Jonathan Fisher's business. So tell everybody where you went to law school. Uh, I went to uh, uh, the Penn State Dickinson School of Law. It was the first year actually. Uh, Penn State had just joined the Big Ten, and uh, for academic reasons, they needed a law school. They needed a medical school, more or less. So really, they 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 uh, grabbed up Hershey Medical. They associated with Hershey Medical. And then they um, affiliated with with the Dickinson School of Law, which at that point was one of the only few independent remaining independent law schools in the country. It's uh, some people think it's affiliated with Dickinson College. It's not at all. It's completely separate. Uh, But financially, it's tough for a law school or any school to stand alone without the support of a university. And so it was just the right time. Penn State needed it. And I think Dickinson needed it. So, um, you know, it was, you know. I tell people I went to Penn State because nobody knows um, they don't where know Dickinson, Dickinson is. And and Dickinson, unless you're from Pennsylvania, then it's very you know very well known, actually. But and uh, So it's not actually on Penn State's campus. It's, it's not, like it's an a, hour away, It's right? in Carlisle, yeah. Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so so you, you have is, – is it a Penn State law degree? Is that it, what, is, yeah. it is. It um, is. But I, I imagine you have no uh, uh, loyalty oh, no. or – No, <laughs> law I mean, you weren't even on the campus at Penn State That's when right. you were at the Penn State I've law school. I've never been on the campus there. I guess I'll go yeah. when we play. Probably, it'd be, it'd be kind of be like 
going to Virginia Tech's campus in Northern Virginia or something like that. And I've always right. seen law school, grad school as business, it's like business and, you know, but you know, undergrads where your heart yeah. is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And actually I do, I'm more or less despised Penn state now because of the difficulties <laughs> they give us in recruiting. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like them at all. In fact, usually I root against them yeah. uh, actively. Yeah. So, yeah, I so my wife is a Penn State grad, and that, that's that's kind of tough. Uh, since this is going to wind up on YouTube, I'll just, I just won't say anything. Um, but we, I remember we did. She and I did go to a game, and I, I think I've been to two games at Penn State. One of them was the day Tech lost to Temple mm-hmm. in 1998. You know, and mm-hmm. and the jokes will ensue about it's a running joke on the Tech sideline message boards about how it didn't happen. But I was there for that, and. Um, I remember one of the two games we went to at Penn State, we were walking down the sidewalk and uh, we were at a at a break in the sidewalk and there were some uh, horses, not not live horses, but like sawhorse things blocking access into this road that we were approaching. And a bunch of people came running out and suddenly pulled these things aside. And my wife and I started to walk across the road and then we had to stop because there was a BMW that was pulling into this road we were getting ready to cross. And so the BMW pulls in and drives right past us, and the guy kind of, you know, kind of waves at us. I looked at my wife and said, was that Joe Paterno? She's like, yeah, that's Joe Paterno. Dude was just mm-hmm. driving himself in before the football game that day. So it was, huh. it's always weird when. So he didn't go to the game with the team. They go in he, I swear he was, he drove like a white bean. He was in by, in by himself, and I don't remember exactly where on the campus it was. That was 20, 25 years ago. But it's always weird when you've seen somebody on TV a lot to, mm. to see them go by you in person, you know. Uh, so um, so you get out of Penn State Law School and you come back here. Um, and, and you said you set up your own shop. Did you know what you wanted to do right away? I did. I always wanted to have my own practice. I never wanted to um you know compete for a big firm job or go to a big city or anything like that but did you want to did you want to prosecute bad guys or or what'd you want to do i don't think i knew initially Uh, i kind of i kind of got into criminal defense more by chance than anything else well there's probably a a need for it well there was i mean it's also i opened my own practice in in dublin okay and uh you know again i went to pulaski county and i found a nice spot in dublin and um I happened to open my practice one month after the phone book uh, ads had been placed. So I did not have a Yellow Pages. Back when uh, the phone book and Yellow Pages matter. were yeah. a thing. For, yeah. So for 11 months, I was not I was not advertising the Yellow Pages. So what I did to get uh, work early on is I jumped on a lot of court-appointed lists, criminal court-appointed lists. Yeah. I was also doing um, a little bit of Social Security disability. I did some family law. I did a fair amount of workers' compensation early on. Um, but uh, what I started doing volume-wise was criminal defense, and because of that, I got good at it. Um, you know, I, uh, the, way, the way to distinguish yourself from others in, in, uh, in criminal defense, in my opinion, is really to, in these parts anyway, is to work hard. So mm-hmm. what would happen is, you know, even though, uh, by the way, Virginia on the uh, court-appointed pay scale, I think is still 51st in the country, including Puerto Rico. Um, <laughs> for example, at the time, oh. when I started at the time, you would make $100 on a misdemeanor. That's all you can make. Uh, the most you can make on any felony at the time, other than murder, other than capital murder, I think was $395. That's total from start to finish, uh, you know, in, 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 in circuit court. So in other words, 
Um, maybe it was like 900 on a, on a murder that wasn't a capital murder. So in other words, you could spend literally 50 weeks on a murder trial that wasn't capital murder, which was uncapped, and you would get $900. Wow. So, so there's, there was no incentive for a proven lawyer to take cases. That, that's right. Like some, that, yeah. some, uh, there are some really good attorneys around here who are still on the court appointing list. I think they do it, frankly, more as a pro bono service almost. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, there'll be people who, 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 if a poor person gets charged with murder or, or rape or something like that, and it's going to be a high profile case or whatever, they more or less are available to take on that. But, uh, um, you know, so, but it's really more of a public service than they're not making money that way. Yeah. But, but what I did, you know, <laughs> a lot of people who were doing court appointed work, um, you know, phoned it in or, or didn't try as hard as they did. And, you know, I'm running down to the jail and I'm meeting with people and, People in jail don't have anything to do but talk about how bad or good their lawyer is. And so before you know it, uh, grannies start showing up at your office with bags of cash because their kid isn't being paid attention to by their court-appointed lawyer, this and that. Hmm. So by working hard, I got noticed, and, and I started getting some retained criminal work. And it really just, just kind of took off from there. And then after a few years, I kind of happened uh into traffic defense um it's an interesting story about how that that happened but and um, we will get to that soon so let's uh let's go back into tech football so you so you were there for because i really want to keep going on that discussion actually i've I've talked tech football for 25 years uh, but not a lot of law so anyway let's let's go to the the 90 let's talk about the 95 season because you were on campus for that Mm -hmm. um and I do have a trivia question about that also. Now, I think this trivia question is easier. Um, what happened early in the 1995 football season that hasn't happened since then? Don't blurt it out. So we'll ask Facebook Live yeah. that. What happened early in the 1995 football season that hasn't happened since then? That's easy. Yeah, it was raining. That was the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it hasn't rained in a game since then. Jonathan just gave you another clue. It hasn't rained. I, I was at, this, at, that, at that Cincinnati game, too. It was one of two games I went to that year. Yeah. And and you remember at that point in the seat in the season, Tech was zero and two, and it's not like they were an established program like they are these yeah. days. They had only been to two bowls in a row. They had finished the '94 season poorly, and then lost the first two games of ninety of the '95 season. So you're sitting. I remember the conversation back with like my dad, my grandpa, and my uncle it was all about uh, Tech will be lucky to win six games this year. Uh, Beamer had two good years. Maybe he's just, it was just a flash in the pan. Maybe it was just uh, Mr. Murray's. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. This yeah, Rocky Miller guy's not very good. My first game as a college student, um, that was back when, as a student, it, you could pack into that the old end zone by the scoreboard, you know, and it was kind of South, open South seating. End zone, South right? end zone, South end zone. So I, me and my, my uh, dorm mates were basically on the front row of the end zone. I remember talking trash to the BC players before the game, all these pasty – redheaded boys talking trash you know and they uh and uh i remember that i mean we we had a uh we had a chance we were driving there at the end i know to to try to tie yeah. it up but going away from me i still remember it. i remember drucker miller trying to engineer that drive and it just not happening but uh you're right we weren't established then but there was some hype around that season because we had done okay and and certainly the first two games ended up being a surprise i think to most people and I think Tech probably pretty much brought the whole defense back because because yeah. that yeah. <clears throat> that yeah. that ninety five defense it was a bunch wound, of seniors, bunch of seniors, and then there were some good players left in ninety six as well. Mm-hmm. So these guys had all been together in ninety three and ninety four. Oh, yeah. A lot of uh, those guys were regular players from like some of them from ninety two, but 
almost all of them were like starters in 93 and 94. Yeah. It was yeah. very experienced. And so yeah, you're right. It was a good team, as we ended up showing. But I, it's it, you wonder if you squeak out those first two games, does the rest of the season happen? I think we almost yeah. needed to be slapped across the head. I remember at the Cincinnati game, I remember seeing Druckenmiller just throw his helmet down in disgust. And <laughs> I was thinking at the time, hey, maybe he's going to – Maybe he's going to, you know, get this thing going in the right direction. Maybe he's he, tired he, of it. He showed a lot of talent in that BC game, which is also a Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Malcolm has, the season with a loss. Malcolm has Facebook Live guessed what happened early in that season that hasn't happened since then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, <clears throat> yeah they were real fast. So Virginia yeah. Tech got shut out 16 to nothing, and they have not been shut out since then. So how, do, how does that compare to the Duke loss? Because they're, you know, relatively the same thing. Early in a coach's career, no. you get – you no, know, not not as not as many people paid attention back then. There was and there was no social media back then. Right. You know, back then you'd go to a tech game. There's forty thousand people there. Yeah. It's not sixty thousand people. And it was like raining that day. It'd, it'd be interesting to see what the uh, attendance yeah. was. Yeah. If you I'd can, say low to mid thirties. That's yeah. probably. I guess. Yeah. Especially uh, after the loss. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're right, but I re- the 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 feeling of misery was about the same as this year's Duke game. Mm, it, it was similar, but I think it was worse. Yeah, I, see, I don't remember. You know, I mean, I'd go to the game and then I'd go home, go to school all week. There, I didn't have yeah. internet, yeah. so I, I had no way of like. So, you, so you couldn't wallow in this pit of misery that did the, you know this echo chamber of misery. We hadn't really built big expectations at that point, though. Yeah. I mean, we were it was all early and exciting, but but it was you know it's different, disappointing them, but um, it's different now because again, I, I was talking to somebody earlier. It had gotten to the point over the last couple of years here uh, where, especially with like the UVA game, where uh, I was much more afraid that we would lose than excited that we might win. Yeah, I know. And, and uh, that, that's kind of uh, how yeah. it is when you have success as a program. It gets more to that point. Back then, you know, winning was so excited. Everything yeah. was so if new. and We were doing something for the first time, it seemed like, every year. Yeah. There was a new high every year. And that was really and, fun. And at this point, the program's accomplished everything it could accomplish with, except for winning a national championship, right? Yeah. So anything we do from now on, we're not going to do for the first time. And and that's that, 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 that's the downside of building a really good program over time is you never really get to experience anything for the first time so and so along those lines the the 95 sugar bowl uh down in new orleans you know uh, one of the things i wanted to ask the fans today and i don't know if we're actually going to be able to get into this because malcolm how far into the how many minutes in are we 38 all right we're doing okay um so let's go ahead and ask facebook what's your favorite virginia tech football game ever and the reason i ask that now is that mine is the 1995 sugar bowl um it was also um and i don't this may actually play into it uh that's the last virginia tech football game i saw before i started this website slash business um i started hokey central in march of 1996 and so every game from the beginning of the 1996 season onward has always has that I have to go watch it and write about it afterwards. That was not true of the 95 Sugar Bowl. And, of course, we, all, we must have taken 30 or 35,000 fans down there. And in the Superdome, I sat on the front row of the upper deck, uh, like some of the best seats I've ever had for a bowl game. It was probably about the 10-yard line, but I could still see everything. And I remember after Virginia Tech won that game, I remember on my way out of the Superdome just looking around and thinking – you need to 
take this moment in because to your point, Chris, this is something Virginia Tech has done. They've done so many things that they'd never done before. When a, when a, well, they won a bowl game in 86. Gone to bowls in a row, and, and I'm like, it can't get much better than this except playing for a national championship. Right, and that was a bowl, that was bowl alliance back then? Yes. Winning yeah. one of those big four bowls. I mean, the, I remember the, remember the other teams that were in the bowl games that year. I think the – I think the Fiesta Bowl was like Notre Dame and Florida State. Yeah. The national championship game was Florida and Nebraska. The Rose Bowl was probably USC and Ohio State or somebody like that. like that. I mean, so and then Texas, Tech was te- and then us, you know, right, like, right. Yeah. So Tech was Which one of one, the, belong, one of you know? those eight teams in the Bowl Alliance, and to win one of the, those were the four four bowl games that everybody wanted to watch, and to be in one of those games and to win it. I mean, that 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 was huge, and honestly, Tech hasn't won a game. A high that high of a profile game since they won they went on to win one BCS game but that was against Cincinnati in a half field Orange Bowl Orange Bowl or Miami Dolphin Stadium whatever it's called now Joe Robbie Stadium well the game was the Orange Bowl <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> uh, so Tech hasn't had a win like that since then yeah as far as that that high of a profile win. that's just my favorite one and and then the next morning Lee Corso apologized to Virginia Tech fans for saying bad things about tech. So did you go to that game? I did. Yeah. What do, what do you what do you recall about it? Uh, I know that's kind of an open-ended question, but um I remember I remember the Texas fans. They were obnoxious, um, right? They were a little bit. <laughs> Even after the game they were obnoxious, some of them were. I, I remember uh I remember a guy specifically actually was pretty nice on the way out. He was like he's like y'all kicked our butts, but still hook them horns, you know. So yeah. I remember he it was cool. I don't remember anything bad. I think they were in a little bit in shock at that point. I mean, I think they were going to ride the Texas name to a win and uh you know, and, and it was that game was just a slap across the face. I mean, we just took it to them there. I'm, I'm sure they were surprised at how physical tech was. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's right. Yeah. So, uh, Malcolm, are people chiming in yet to see what their favorite tech football game ever was? Several. Yeah. So read some of them off to me. Uh, Jeff Holland, 1995 Sugar Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm, uh, do you know who Jeff Holland is? You've been around enough to know who he is, right? What? So you just randomly picked that? Well, he was the first to comment. Because Jeff played in that game. Oh, well, yeah. Jeff was a defensive tackle. Okay, I wasn't alive. That's my excuse. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff's always quick to chime in on this stuff. It's hilarious. Uh, Jeff would probably also tell you that was the best-looking Virginia Tech football team ever. Hmm. Um, You uh, mean with the helmets off? No, yeah, with the helmets off. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Chris Blevins, he says, favorite win since I'm only 19 is the 2015 Ohio State game. Ah, uh, 2014, 2014, 2014. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with that. Uh, yeah. Scott McConaughey has the same answer. Uh, Matt Biscuit, Georgia Tech game with David Wilson kick return for touchdown. Really, he likes that one, huh? That was mentioned twice. Huh? Uh, Interesting. That was Gary exciting. Lyon toss up between the '95 UVA game and the '95 Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Adams, 1999 win at West Virginia. Ah, he he must have been there for that one. Judy McBride, mm-hmm. ninety nine BC game, gateway to the national championship. Yeah, you know that's a, that, yeah, that's mine. Really, I'm surprised that's a yeah, absolutely. A lot, a lot of people um, love that game. For for me, it was just I I knew I knew Virginia Tech was going to win. That's why it's my favorite. Like you knew all week 
what was going to happen. You were just showing so, up for the party, I, right? I, Well, I was 16 years old, so the anticipation that whole week of yeah. going to that BC, game. BC? You mean the BC game? 99 BC game. I went to – that was before we had season tickets, like my dad and I or whatever, and we'd come to one or two games every year he would bring me to. That that year we picked the UAB game yeah. to come to. So we came to the UAB game, and Tech didn't have Vic that day. He was hurt. But they still won easily with Dave Meyer at quarterback, and and I and I looked at the schedule, and I, I'm just I'm just like, I told my dad after that UAB game, and this is when you could buy individual game tickets still after the season started, which you could not do. Yeah, for season another, tickets for, were not sold out. Right, you couldn't do that for a good fifteen years after that after that season. But I told my dad after the UAB game, I said, why don't you buy some tickets to the BC game because I think we're going to clinch an undefeated season that night. So he did. And we did, and that that's that's my favorite favorite memory of just that, that. It's really not just the game itself, but that whole week of anticipation. Yeah, like because like, you're 16, you're living and dying with it. This. Still wasn't guaranteed though. Do you remember after the game, looking at the scoreboard and waiting, and it kept saying waiting well, for the, the Nebraska score. Well, that they remember they reported it incorrectly in the stadium. Nebraska ended up winning that game, but at one point during the celebration, they reported that Colorado won. And the stadium w- w- yeah. went nuts during the celebration, but Nebraska actually won the game, if, if I recall right. correctly. And, and did Tech need Nebraska to win? No, no as, well, we, but we were afraid we would get we would get, get called BCS points. Remember? Yeah, uh, we were strength afraid of schedule they would and all pass that. us, and they yeah. would get the chance to so, play Florida State so instead of us. I think that that Nebraska would get the chance. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, that I, I was I wasn't worried about it personally, and I probably wasn't either. Yeah. I, um, uh, but the the thinking among a lot of people in the stadium was that Colorado needed to win. Well, sure they they that if they won certain that yeah made that certain, made it certain no as opposed to maybe like eighty to ninety percent. We all Nebraska still I think had a complex uh, yeah. I mean, at that I, point that we were yeah, going yeah, to yeah, get for sure. that we were going to get big time. Yes, and yes. For, rightfully so. Um, but 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 for me it was just like, I remember it being like maybe we get big time if these are humans making the decision. But these are this is pure. The computer's based. got your back, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so uh, mine uh, would be would be the UVA game, the, the game before. I again in my office, I have a picture of the catch. the, the ninety five UVA yes, game. Yeah, that, that's my favorite that I've attended in person. So you have sure. a picture of the, of, of Jermaine oh, Holmes's catch? Yes, hanging up in my office. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, what angle is this? Who? Where'd you get it from? Who took it? It's the it's the the AP. It's the you know it's it's the one where the ball is like from, coming from right the back of the end zone. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a great picture, and I, I'll put it right in front of my desk so I can look at it. I don't Did, even know if I've ever seen that. Did you get Jermaine to sign it? Because no, I didn't. I'd love to. But yeah. he was working at Tech for a while. I'm not sure where he, he was. was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know where he is now. No, but I got it. I got it blown up. I actually got the. Uh, the picture. I think I emailed Bill Roth or something at the time, and actually he he told me how to 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 get a copy of it, um, and then I took it to a place here in town, and they blew it up, and it was still nice quality, and it's hanging him off. Wow, cool. All right, so you during that '99 season, you were in law school That's up correct. in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. My second year. So tell school. everybody what you did that year. Well, um, even though I, for academic reasons, I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> I decided that I would would uh, would go to every Virginia Tech uh, football game. Uh, so in the '99 season, including the national championship game, I was there. A um, couple of real interesting stories from that year. Uh, you know, uh, it, it kind of small world stuff. Uh, I remember going to the Pitt game, which of course was close that year for me because I was in Carlisle. So you just jump on the Pennsylvania Turnpike and head down there. And I'd bought two two tickets from the Tech ticket office. 
So I'm heading down the, the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I didn't end up having anybody to go with me, so I was going to try to sell a ticket. So um, I stop at a rest area there. It's probably, I don't know, probably an hour from Pittsburgh. And um, on the way out, uh, or I was on the way in, on the way out of the bathroom was this Asian guy um, wearing a Virginia Tech shirt. And I said, hey, you know, I just assumed. I said, hey, you going, do you, want, you need a ticket? And he's like, yeah, I need a ticket. So we started up, um, we started talking. And um, he was a tech grad, and he had been in the Marching Virginians. But he, he, this is the funny part. In Carlisle, Pennsylvania, there's one Chinese restaurant. It's called Dorothy's Chinese Kitchen. So whenever you wanted to, to, to go there, and I said, hey, you know, I'm in law school and, and Carlisle, whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, Dorothy's my mom. No kidding. <laughs> so, you know, the, you know, he's from Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and, and uh, Dorothy's Chinese Kitchen uh, was his family restaurant. And I just happened to meet him there, and we sat together at the pit game. And it was, the, I guess, the only game I saw in their old pit stadium. That was kind of a neat stadium. It was. Very, it was like very built. that they just tore it down when they got I think yeah, it was the year so. after that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean it was like built into the side of the hill sort of yeah. very cool. Very cool. Vibe. I, I believe they tore it down and built the Peterson Events Center where they play basketball oh, okay. now. I think okay, I think the Peterson Events Center is on that land that the uh, But it was one of those deals where you'd go into the stadium and underneath the seats was uh how do I put this just very uh uh primitive you know, you could see uh, the concrete seats going up, and there was literally dirt underneath. Did, them did you did like you that. pay attention, like walking into Notre Dame Stadium? Uh, you could tell where the new concourse starts oh, yeah. and the old concourse yeah, yeah. begins. Yeah. Um, you know, you see scenes from the movie Rudy when he's jogging and, and doing sprints in the concourse of the stadium, and and now since they expanded the stadium, you got this new part on the outside, but that old stuff is still hmm. still in there. I thought they did. I was there both times we played, and I thought they did a good job between the the two games i, I liked what they had done yeah yeah notre, I mean, they, notre dame in the expansion of i remember stadium. being shocked the first time that at the video board i mean i like so i mean like 20 years behind even what we had i mean they it was like you know it looked like a you know uh you know tech mobile or something i mean it was, <laughs> uh, there was nowhere to watch replays exactly so uh and you know, I'm surprised. I mean, they had obviously been recruiting on name alone for a long time, yeah, but uh, yeah. you can't do that anymore. You know. Yeah. Um. And even they realize that. So during that '99 season, which road trip was the hardest? I mean, uh, the hardest. Like, oh well, I think definitely the one that uh, the one I got the least sleep on was East Carolina. So it's a Thursday night game right. down there. They were ranked. I think there was some hype. They thought they were going to beat our tails. Uh, they had that pretty good quarterback. Um, was that 99? Oh, that was 2000. That I'm was two, about 2000. Was that 2000? Yep. Yeah. yeah. David Garrard was their quarterback. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so I don't. What did, so our game with them was home that year? Uh, let me let me look it up. Um, it was I, definitely a Vic game. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure we played down there in 99. Now maybe I'm. Right. It was two. It was 2000 Thursday night game in 2000. Okay. Because their their fan base was so fired up. So in '99, Lee Suggs rushed for about 150 yards. Well, I and, went to the. If I'm wrong, and, and that wasn't in '99, I went to that game too. I guess it was in 2000. Right. Yeah, uh, Virginia Tech did not play East Carolina in the '99. Okay, we played season. him. In, we played him to open the '98 season. So which were we the away him. games? Pitt, Rutgers, Temple, West Virginia. Uh, okay, the away games in order are UVA. Yeah. We beat them 31-7. Rutgers 58 to 20. Pitt 30 to 17. Uh, the the WVU game, of course, uh, sixty two to seven at Temple, and then the uh, national championship game. Okay, 
So Temple, if you went to the Temple game, that probably wasn't too bad. Well, that was the other side of the state. Yeah, no, I went. I remember that was in the old uh, Philadelphia's old stadium, which was a real dump. Oh, the Veterans Field. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was uh... – I guess it was right after that when they built their their new stadium. That's right. Temple started playing there. Yeah. yeah. So the longest road trip you would have had was from probably from Carlisle to well, Charlotte's football not far away. Um, maybe Rutgers. Uh, yeah, and that was the reason I think we were I was able to do that. It was one of the yeah. years. You know, the way our schedule is, we always have Boston and Miami away in the same year. Yeah. Blacksburg the, was probably your longest trip. It, it really the home was. Games was your longest. Yeah, other yeah. than New Orleans, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, they they played at Pitt and at WVU, and that would have been fairly, fairly close, close to where you yeah. were. You go through Pittsburgh. From yep. There. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I know uh, Penn State's in the middle of the uh, state. Where is Carlisle? Carlisle is about thirty miles into Pennsylvania off Interstate eighty one. Okay. I mean, it's basically yeah. four hours north from Blacksburg if you yeah. drop if you speed. Okay. It's like right around Gettysburg. <laughs> it is, says the it history is. major. Exactly. It is. It's, it's about it's about forty five minutes from Gettysburg. Yeah. You keep going north another twenty miles, you get to Harrisburg. Yeah. yeah. So you segued uh, turning back to the business. You segued mm-hmm. into uh, traffic defense, and at one point, I remember when you first started sponsoring Tech Sideline. I think at that point in time, you had three offices, mm-hmm. Richmond, Roanoke, and Blacksburg. Does that sound right? Probably at that time, something yeah, like that. Yeah. But you yeah. you said before, I think before we went live, that you eventually at one point had five offices around the state, right? Correct, correct. And it wasn't that long ago. Uh, so the, the, here's the interesting story about how I got into traffic defense. Um, I, my wife, uh, well, my would-be wife, uh, Rhonda, was at that time um, getting doing her residency in a little town called Greencastle, Indiana which is where DePaul University is. De- Not DePaul. DePaul with a W. With a W, right, where yeah. uh, where um, <laughs> where the gotcha. pot- <laughs> potato vice president went there. He's like their famous alumnus, uh, Quail. Quail, um, yeah. okay. and, and like DePaul and one – DePaul's game was somebody is one of the classic games. You know, they bring up every year DePaul plays some other little school in, in uh, Indiana, and they're talking about how it's one of the oldest rivalries or whatever. But um, so I was on my way up there. I had uh, the way I would go. I go all the way across Kentucky and then up. You, you go north at uh, at Louisville. Yeah, and you know, so I had just crossed into, I guess Indiana, uh, uh, going north, and I got nailed. I got I got pulled over. The red lights went on, or the red blue, lights, went blue on. lights, I guess. Yeah, they they threw the blue light on me, as my clients like to say. Uh-huh. So um, I got pulled <laughs> over and I got the speeding ticket, and then I uh, went on and visited my wife. Uh, and then I came home and, you know, three days later or whatever, I get this letter in the mail that said, hey, I see you got a speeding ticket and uh, I can help you with that. And you got it from an attorney. From and an you're attorney like, in, in southern Indiana. And uh, so I paid him and he helped me and I didn't get the ticket on my record. And I, at the time I thought, can we market like that here in Virginia? And And at that point... There was some direct mail marketing going on in Virginia for traffic, but really not any in the western part of the state. And I was kind of the first person to really, really aggressively use direct mail. And it's because it happened to me. So my wife takes all the credit, obviously, for <laughs> me figuring this out, which yeah. is it's fine. But um, so that's kind of how I got into traffic, just by chance, by trying this marketing and and having so much response because everyone knows Interstate 81 and 77 is heavily yeah. enforced if you live near here. I mean, shoot, it makes an, it makes a bullseye in Wythe County, which at the time was 
pretty dead on. I mean, I, there, there were days in Wythe County back then where there were 2,000 traffic cases in, in, on a docket. I mean, wow. it was crazy. So early on, uh, with no one else hardly doing direct mail, I mean, the response was explosive. I mean, I had, I, I was I was doing 50 consultations a day at one point. Wow. For, just for speed-related offenses. Well, I know once upon a time, I, I don't remember when this was, because I don't remember anything anymore, but I had some sort of traffic offense, and I got a letter from the Fisher Law Firm yeah. offering to represent I'm me. I'm pretty sure I did that happen to me yeah, one time. Too. Yeah, yeah, I think you were too cheap to hire me. Though. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um that's kind of how I got into traffic and be, what that allowed me to do was build this wealth of experience. I mean, at this point, um, I mean, even not my firm, but me personally, I've handled over 20,000 speed related offenses and so more you, than, you personally have personally, handled 20,000, uh, more than 10,000 reckless by speeds, which as far as I can tell is more than any person that's ever lived in this state. <laughs> um, any person I, that's ever lived. Really? And yeah, really. And of course, reckless by speed doesn't really exist anywhere else. It's very, it's a unique thing to Virginia. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Very so different. what are the rules? Let me tell you if, what I think are the rules on reckless and you correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong. It's 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. Or 80 miles an hour. Or 80 miles an hour, regardless of speed limit. Is that correct? Or more than 80. More so, than 80. Uh, so 80 and a 70 is not, but 81 and a 70 is. Mm. So it's 20 or more over or more than 80 in any zone. So right. so do the cops actually hand out reckless driving tickets for 81 and a 70? Do you see Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Not, really? not as much around here. Now, uh, the, the real where that really happens in Virginia is down like uh, in, in the on the 85 corridor. Greensville, Emporia, Brunswick, yeah. all that. I mean, yeah. the, you, you will see that's, that's one after another. Yeah, when, I, when I will get calls, one after another, 81, 81, 81. Now, around here, if you see 81 and a 70 in this part of the state, that raises a big flag because typically that means the person was a jerk to the cop because right. most of the time the cops are going to write you at 80 around well, here. Wh- where, They're going to give where, you a speeding ticket. Where around here is a 70 mile an hour speed? Uh, well, most of 81. 81. Most of 81. Yeah. Really? Most well, I, of thought it, I thought it was 65 between like no. here and Roanoke. No, it's, well, between here and, and Roanoke, it changes. There's the highway safety corridor that starts right. in, in northern Montgomery County and goes through, you know, basically until you get to Botetot. There's okay. it, it changes probably five times. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, going south at 70, okay. other than Carroll County, there's no 70 zone at all in Carroll County. It's all 65. So Weird. I just know I just know I go down 77 a lot towards either Charlotte or uh, I've got my middle son mm-hmm. is in, uh, going to South Carolina now. So uh, I know that when you hit 81, it's 70 miles an hour down right. in that area. Until in, 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 in southern Wythe County, it becomes 65 and it remains 65 all the way to North Carolina. So there's no 70 zone at all in Carroll. But anyway, um, so I kind of got into traffic and and did all this. I got all this experience. But, uh, I mean, I remember I had one day, the the kind of the the green light or the the light bulb moment for me was a day when I think I had, I don't know, 60 cases in three counties between with Carroll and Smith. And um, I remember, I mean, most of the time at that point, you could kind of count on knowing what deal you were going to get. And it was very easy to do a high volume. Um, but there's always in the back of your mind, there's always the potential for something to go wrong. I mean, if someone was really rude to the officer or whatever, you could block, they could block a deal like that. And I remember rolling into court and, uh, you know, thinking it was going to be a, a routine day as normal and having to try one of those cases because my client had not been polite and not being prepared to do it. 
uh, because I had presumed. Right. Um, and at that point, and, and at that point also, I was running myself physically to death. Okay. Uh-huh. So uh, on the way home, I just remember thinking, who is this good for? You know, my, I just, I, my client had just been convicted of reckless driving because I hadn't prepared because I assumed I was tired. I'm like, this isn't good for my clients. This isn't good for me. Who is it good for? And at that point, I slowly started the transition to where I am now. Now, when would you say that was? When? Yeah. Oh, that's probably five years ago. Okay. You know, and then I I started this transition to um, personal attention, higher quality, lower volume. Um, So I I, I banked all that experience that I've gotten over the years, but now I use it uh, more for, for, you know, I don't roll in with 30 files under my arm anymore, you know. Yeah. You know, people hire me at this point who need it done the right way and, uh, they want, they need that experience, but they also want to, you know, I give my cell phone out to all my clients and I'm accessible and things like this. And I try to, I try to make that. And then, you know, now we're, I'm kind of in the final phase of, of this. I still do a lot of reckless driving, but in the past two years, I've really, um, transitioned over, uh, to, to a DUI heavy practice. Um, and so I, I want to get into that in a few minutes, but sure. let's, let's get back. Malcolm, how many minutes in are we? About an hour. Okay, so we got maybe 10 or 15 minutes sure. left. So everybody on Facebook Live, tell me what your worst Virginia Tech football game is, and I will go first. 2010 Boise State. Um, uh, and I, I thought about that. I knew we were going to cover this topic, and I was like, why was that the worst for me? Um, if you remember, Chris, tell me if you remember exactly. I think Virginia Tech was ranked seventh in the country. Yeah, that sounds about right. And Boise was either third, third, third or fifth. Third. I think third. Yeah, wow. Think that's, right. that's incredible. That I mean, yeah. I I tell people all the time I hate Boise State. I don't hate Boise State. I'm jealous of Boise State because with fewer resources, they've they've had a lot of uh, really, you know, remarkable moments in their past. Um, can't speak for now. They're still a good football team. But so it's twenty ten and I've been doing this. Hokie Central Tech sideline thing for 15 years and I had started to detach and, and be more of an analyst and all that stuff and uh, and frankly the, the late 2000s were kind of rough that was some bad offense great defense but bad offense and I felt like looking at Virginia Tech's roster particularly offensively starting out the season ranked number seven in the country and looking at the schedule and thinking if they win that game They've got a shot at playing for a national championship. Absolutely, and and I put on the fan hat big time for that game, and I remember driving up to uh, FedEx Field and uh, rented a Dodge Challenger. Took my buddy James with me, James Arthur, and I remember sitting in traffic. I remember people telling me how cool the car was. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just a rental. A bunch of my college friends converged on FedEx for that game, and you go in there, and it was. 80, 85,000 Hokie fans. It was fans. Lane Stadium plus 20,000 people. Probably. Yes. Yeah. And and the the atmosphere was insane. That's what I heard. I wasn't there. I, I wasn't there. And, 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 and it was, it, and, and just the being down 17 to nothing five minutes later, <laughs> you know, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but, and, and then coming back and then losing at the end like that. And I, 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 I tell people all the time, I think I've written this, the ushers had to come by and tell me to leave the stadium. It's time for you to go. I was just sitting there just crushed. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the last time I really put on the fan hat big time. And so I've I've been around, and I also tell this story. I, I did some 
I emceed some events for Bud Foster in the in the early to mid 2010s and was around some of the players that played in that game and that game haunts them the guys that played in it so that's why for me it's my worst ever so uh, let's let's go to Jonathan now what's your okay so I think it the worst experience was a game I was not at uh, the worst the worst the ones that felt the worst for me where I was there in person was probably the Kansas Orange Bowl. Um, and, um, <laughs> we were there. And, 17 to nothing also. Was it really? Real quick. Jeez. Yeah, yeah the, that one and um, I lost. Oh, oh, uh, I was I was in the, the Carrier Dome for the, the McNabb moment. Really? And, see, mm-hmm. the Carrier Dome, it, it really is a pit of hell. I mean, I... I <laughs> Until recently. <laughs> Thank every, you, Mike Young. Until Tuesday night. <laughs> every time, yeah. Every time I was there, it was predictably the same thing and here, here's the thing too and i don't want to offend anyone here that may be listening but uh upstate new york people are not necessarily nice okay and so and also a lot of syracuse fans are not syracuse alum i mean in fact most of them are i mean that's a and small, those fans tend to be the it's worst a small, pretty relatively yeah, yeah. small private school yeah. whatever so um and, and they sold alcohol through the end of the third quarter. So it was predictably the same. You could just see it coming like a tidal wave. Everybody, you know, I'm sitting with a bunch of Syracuse fans. A bunch Ooh. of jerks with, with beer. Yeah, right. Well, initially, to initially we're winning, okay? So, mm-hmm. you know, they're relatively polite, drinking, drinking, you know, polite, this and that. And then you feel it. You feel it coming. As the intoxication level grows, uh, they're coming back. You know, culminating in you know the the fifty yard run followed by the vomiting and then the throwback <laughs> pass across the field. Don't at which point, vomiting, not yeah. Jonathan. I mean, at that point, <laughs> he didn't um, throw up till afterwards. <laughs> I mean, I was at that point. I was nursing a, a, a broken leg. I was recovering from. I was seriously lucky to get out of there alive <laughs> without being killed. I mean, I'm sorry to laugh, I mean, but but it's like in like the intoxication and just all of it right culminating in that pass. If you had started your business at that point, you could have just handed out business cards. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was pretty gut wrenching. The um, the the most disappointing one was was the Kansas game. Disappointing because I really thought we should have won, and and because I never understood. Uh, we came out in the second half and handed the ball for eleven times and scored, and then we quit running. And I never yeah. understood that. Or they was couldn't... suspended for the first half of that game. Remember? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But they, but I'm, I never. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a football coach, but they could not stop us. Right. And then yeah. we quit doing it. So anyway, but but the one that disgusts me is Michigan. I mean, I, I absolutely. That's the only game where I anymore. I will actually be awake at night thinking about it and be disgusted. <laughs> not not just because of the the catch that we were robbed on that everyone knows about, but you know just the way that game went down. I mean, the, we held them to what 160 yards, and that running quarterback, what's his name, was Denard so good. Robinson. Denard I mean, Robinson. Th- that one really, but and because the other reason is because it kind of was the shifting point. I mean, we had got yeah. we had got we had got obliterated by Clemson by Clemson the week before. We still, because of our travel rep and ranking, made that game, and then we, you know, pooped the bed on that one, and it was kind of the beginning of the end of the fun. Well, we had almost, one ten you know. win season since, and yeah. then TSL changed its message board format. And six everything days went later. downhill, yeah, <laughs> and all hell so, broke loose. But anyway. so what? What about for you, Chris? And then we'll get uh, to I, would, I would say that Boise State game also. That's yeah. the only time in my life I've thrown my cell phone. 
You've, you've done what? That's the only time in my life I've thrown my cell phone across a room. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So where you weren't up there. You I were... was at a bar. <laughs> yeah, I was wow. mad. Wow. I was, I was beach mad. on vacation. Yeah. Wow. So Malcolm, what does Facebook Live say about their worst game ever? I bet that Kansas game is on there a lot. Uh, <clears throat> the 2007 Boston College game is up there <laughs> several uh, times. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, of the rain. Yeah, it's fair. Nasty. Cincinnati game, obviously. Uh, Which Syracuse game? Well, the '95. Okay, uh, okay. Syracuse game with McNabb, yeah. right? Uh, 2006 Chick Fil A Bowl versus that, Georgia. Oh. Oh, that was disgusting, too. That was <laughs> almost as bad as Michigan. But it's it's a lot of the uh, the 2010 JMU loss. Yeah. You know what? That, that, that was a that big fluke. Me. That's a fluke, so it doesn't count. I just <laughs> considered that. It, our it se- does count. That was our second loss of the season to Boise State, as far as I was yeah, concerned. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, Dale Kaiser battle at Bristol because he paid twelve hundred dollars for two oh tickets. Oh my gosh! And then we lost. Wow. What was so like was Dale on the on the Virginia Tech sideline for <laughs> six hundred bucks a ticket because none of those board. tickets are all that close. <laughs> that one's uh, up there though. You remember we went to that? Yeah. So uh, were were you a stores. senior in high school? I think so. And then everybody ran out of ice and. Yeah. A buddy of mine lost his phone on one of their transport buses. Yeah, that was rough. I remember that was a pretty slick operation. It was an were. interesting experience. I was in. Uh, I bought a seat in a box in a inside seat, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, I had asked which side the tech fans would be on. I was told, and then it was wrong. So we're like Rhonda and I are the only two tech fans in a whole suite full of Tennessee oh, fans because I was on the wrong side. But anyway, the food was good. The you know it was it was fun. Yeah. And they, yeah. they were less obnoxious than normal my normal Tennessee experience. It was yeah. maybe it was the I don't want I don't want to be a classist here, but maybe it was the who it was in the box. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> I do remember that uh, one thing that was funny because any any girl who knows about Tennessee girls, you go. My wife said she went into the bathroom there. There was like five complimentary cans of hairspray in the sweet bathroom, you know, because the Tennessee girls all have the hair. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know? uh, I love the account Super Seventy Sports yeah. on Twitter, <laughs> oh, and every yeah. now and then he'll post this picture of these '80s chicks with uh, with, the, uh, with the hair, and, and the caption is "Rest in peace, ozone layer." Yeah, <laughs> two million exactly. years ago to 1987. <laughs> well, the Tennessee ladies still do that. So, uh, oh, anyway. Yeah, if you're not following Super 70s sports on Twitter, you really need yeah. to. Some some of their stuff is hilarious. And we've we've talked about them before. Um so so let's let's finish up talking about where your business is now mm-hmm. and and what you're doing. Let me let me interject. If I'm uh piecing comments together, I think the the Chinese guy you gave a ticket to, Eric Fisher was his roommate in college. That's and I funny. think he just hit him up and he commented, uh, the Chinese friend from Carlisle says hi, but he's in a meeting right now and can't jump onto the feed. He never put it together. That's you who gave him the ticket. That's funny. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, it is cool. I hope, I hope Dorothy's okay. I, I don't know if, um, if mom's, I hope mom's still doing well. I have fond memories. Yeah. I'd love to talk to him uh, one day about that game. It was a lot of fun. And of course, we'll, you know, uh, uh, Eric will tell him that he can, he can watch it archived on uh, Facebook, uh, excuse me, YouTube later. Yeah. So that's very cool. It is small world. Anything else really cool that you want to do before we get get back into uh a uh, long time ago you mentioned the attendant the Cincinnati game 95 the attendance for that was 36,000 and our home probably. But I bet it wasn't that many. That was probably paid. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and and I bet that you know by the end of the game I bet it was closer to 15. <laughs> so who looked that up for us? No me. Oh, okay. Imagine well, that, he's doing his job. Man, How about he's, that? He's, he's really grown into that producer role, man. And then the next 
I guess next week we played Miami and the attendance was fifty one thousand. So yeah, yeah, which, which is pretty much capacity, capacity, yeah. Yeah, it was time. two rows from the top in that game. Yeah, wow. So tell us about your business, what you're doing now, how sure. people can get in touch with you, and and all that. Sure. So you got you got five minutes. Sell yourself. Okay. Um, I've really changed, and I'm in the process of changing what I do. And um, over the last few years, I've put a lot of time and a lot of energy, a lot of money. And a lot of hours into the DUI specific training. Um, I really wanted to get out of the high volume speeding stuff, although I still do that, and, and I still help a lot of old clients. And like, like and, if I got a speeding ticket, you'd represent. Absolutely, me. <laughs> absolutely, I still do that, and a lot of reckless by speed. I mean, by volume, so many of those are handed out. It's you know, it's the gift that keeps giving from a business standpoint, and because of there's a pretty solid lobby and. The legislature, I mean, they, they talk about changing that law or changing it from 81 to 90 uh, constantly, and it gets shot down because too many people are making money, both, yeah. the, both the counties and the, the defensive bar. So anyway, I'll continue to do that, I'm sure. But um, I've really kind of turned my focus more into DUI and or uh, substance-related crimes. Um, so when you say DUI, that does include something other than alcohol, really? Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, there you know you can be charged with driving under the influence of drugs yeah. as well, and those are different cases and cases where you really do need a DUI specialist because uh, those are cases that involve blood draws and not uh, not breath machines. So it's a completely different animal there. So, yeah. um, but you know, people sometimes will say to me. Uh, how can you defend those people, you know, drunk drivers, this and that. DUI is a crime that's really, really changed over the last 50 years. You know, I'll talk to my older friends, uh, older attorneys who practiced a lot in the 70s. Uh, one thing then, I mean, I think at one point it, the .08 limit was as high as .15. It was .15 when I was a young person. And then it went to .10 and then it went to .08. By the way, .15 is hammered drunk. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. Very drunk. But back then, a lot of times you know, you get pulled over, you'd be wasted. You know, the cop in the 70s, 60s, 70s, they'd slap you on the back, call you, give you a ride home, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then in the 80s, everything changed because of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And the and, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I think the, the perception of DUIs prior to that as a joke was incorrect, and a lot of people were dying then. And yeah. was, I think the numbers are way down as far as fatalities. And Mothers Against Drunk Driving really is responsible for that and I, I commend that i'm not pro drinking and driving i want to make <laughs> yeah, sure you, we're not a, let's be that. clear no one on this um, set is in favor of drinking and exactly driving. and 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 i do think at some point I, i'm convinced that technology will eliminate the crime i mean i think there's going to be a point where you you know you're going to have to touch something with your thumb and it'll be able to tell if you've got alcohol in your system the car won't start something's going to happen it will no eliminate kidding. drunk driving um but I'm not pro uh, drunk driving, but I am pro people getting an appropriate defense for it. Yeah. And uh, believe it or not, some people charge a, a lot more than you would think. People charged with that crime are innocent of it. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people have alcohol in their system, but aren't aren't impaired or aren't over the limit, and they still get arrested. But one thing I want people to understand. Who, who it is that's getting charged with DUIs. Because people have this perception, again, um, you know, from TV or public, publicity or whatever. Um, I, I looked it up once, and uh, throughout the course of a year, 80% of my first offense DUI clients 
were people who had never been in trouble before at all. And when I say never, a lot of them had never even had a speeding ticket before, okay? And almost all of those people I never hear from again, at least not for anything serious. So what because, I dis- because they don't do stuff like that that's again. That's right. What yeah. I discovered, you know, and again, I told as I discussed earlier, I defended all sorts of criminals early in my career and a lot of them, okay? So I've seen violent criminals, I've seen uh, you know people who steal and, you know, hurt people. Uh, I've seen people with a lot of character flaws, just inherent bad people. And what I discovered is that these first defense DUI folks were not exhibiting bad character it almost always was a judgment error who almost and the problem with uh it's kind of a you know alcohol is a catch-22 i mean you you got a good person and then they drink and then they're impaired and and the the beverage uh makes you make poor decisions yeah so it almost causes the judgment error that leads to the you know to them being stopped in the dui so these are not ogres okay these are your kids here at virginia tech this is, you know, uh, you know, I represented someone, uh, you know, who had never been in trouble and, you know, who was almost 70 years old, wow. uh, really well-respected member of the community, you know. Uh, you know, th- these are good people who made a mistake. Um, and then there is the group that, that I do represent uh, as well that uh, are repeat offenders, okay? But what you got to understand about those people is – Almost all the time, those also are not bad people. Those are usually people who really have substance problems. Yeah. I mean, they have addiction problems, um, and they're struggling. And there's almost always—I mean, people out there know there's almost always a backstory to that stuff. Okay, these are these are po- folks who really need help. I, I, what's funny is I don't necessarily see a whole bunch of overlap between uh, you know people who not—they've in their in their lives they've been convicted of rape assault and battery and then they get duis too i don't see that that much to be honest with you it's almost always other other people either good people or people who really need help yeah um so anyway as far as my practice um i want to help this group of people in addition to helping them with their offenses i want to make sure that these people get on with their lives if it's a first offense and get over that obstacle or if it's someone who has a repeat uh, offense problem and they have substance issues I want to not only help them with their legal problem, but try to guide them to some help. Because yeah. if they don't get the help, they're just going to end up back in jail, killing somebody in, on the road or hurting themselves. And, and a lot of people don't even know what resources are available. That's right. I mean, yeah. some of us take it for do. granted, you know, yeah. but I mean, everybody kind of knows about AA or this and that. But, you know, there's, these issues are complicated, especially with repeat offenders, because almost always there's an underlying psychological issue at, at there, too. And, uh, and, and, you know, and they're trying to medicate that issue. And in order to ever solve your alcohol or substance problem, you got to figure out how to solve your depression problem or whatever else it is, or you're just not going to get better yeah. and you're going to reoffend and yeah. you're going to, to end up in a worse spot. So, uh, you know, I have some experience with that in my family, you know, of addiction, of alcoholism. I know a little bit about that and I want to not only help them with their legal issue, but just help them. You know, my job is to improve their life, their, their situation as well, not just solve this problem. Yeah. And I get a lot of fulfillment from that. So, um, so, so what sets you apart from other, you know, let, let's let's focus on the DUI part. I'll call time out right quick. Yeah, you need to go to the bathroom? Yes. That's fine. <laughs> right, we're we're going to yeah. let Chris go. And, Chris, I realize we're, and I realize it's time to wind down here, but yeah. a couple of things. Chris um, was looking twitchy there. I wondered uh-huh. what it was. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, a couple of things. Uh, the training, I mean, uh, the, the time that I've put into it. Yeah. And I really want to be able to put more time into it. And the more I get away from 
a volume practice, the more time I'll have when I'm not uh, in court doing a DUI, the more yeah. time I'll have to learn about helping those folks. But, um, you know, you, you're, you definitely want, people need to understand, I think that DUI is different than a lot of other criminal charges in that uh, some of it's the preparations are the same, but some of it's different. Uh, you know, there, there's a scientific aspect to it yeah. and a completely uh, technical side that's not related, not not the same as with other charges. Um, and there's no re, there's no uh, substitution for experience in that regard. So and so you will go anywhere in the state. I do. I do. Again, um, I do have an office here in Blacksburg. I'm toying with the idea of not even having a physical office anymore. The Commonwealth of Virginia and the courts are my office basically at this point. Yeah. I mean, in the last month, I've appeared in Henrico, Spotsylvania, Bristol, uh, Prince William. I have a felony pending on the Eastern Shore right now. Wow. And then, of course, still Roanoke, Montgomery, lots of stuff around here as well, of course. Yeah. But um, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. And, and, you know, I'll come to you. You know, I'll come to where your offense is. I do think that... Uh, there's some advantages uh, sometimes to having local counsel, but I've found that um, it's it's not it doesn't make up for knowing what you're doing when it right, comes to right. DUIs. You're better off having a DUI specialist than you are having whoever you know there yeah. in town. All right, so how can people get in touch with you? Well, I mean, if you're a tech sideline um, uh, person, then obviously you've probably seen my banner. So um, you can go to FisherLegal.com. Um, you can shout at me in response to a message on the football board. Um, uh, you know, you you can email me. I go to my my website. It has all the contact info. Yeah. Though. All right. And he and again he posts as VPI ninety eight on our right. message boards. Right. So thank you for coming in and talking talking hooky sports with us. We we were feeling lonely with only two of the seats full <laughs> the last couple podcasts. Uh, I, I was it was really fun. So thanks for coming in and thanks for sponsoring the website hey, all these welcome. years. It's like, been my like pleasure. Five or six years straight. All right, everybody who uh, hung with us on Facebook Live and has, has listened or watched elsewhere, we really appreciate appreciate you being with us. And I guess we'll do another one of these next Monday. I do not think Evan will be back yet, so I'll complain again about having to prepare and, and all that good stuff. <laughs> so thanks for being with us, and thanks for Jonathan Fisher, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.